Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yes, delicious like smoked meats and cheeses. Doesn't that sound just great? This is Sixers Talk. Uh, welcome to the podcast. So glad you could join us once again. Danny Pommel is here along with my guy, Paul Hudrick, a.k.a. Level-Headed Paul. Such a calming force in my life. Paul, thank you very much for, for being who you are. Very sweet. Yeah. Isn't that? I, I can hear violins playing and birds <laughs> chirping. Um, so, Paul, you know, it's funny. We're, we're in this little bit of a lull in between games two and three where we do know for a fact that the Lakers – and, well, we don't know for a fact. We know that they were supposed to meet in between games two and three and talk. You got these two days, this two-day span. We haven't heard exactly what's happening. But Monty Williams and the Lakers were supposed to meet and speak to each other. But in between that time, we have this incredible, sensational, multifaceted story that pops up on the New York Daily News that Chris Sheridan wrote. And I'll try to give everybody the Cliff Notes version just to sum things up. Uh According to Sheridan, Brett Brown has lost the locker room. There was a point after Jimmy Butler was acquired, before Tobias Harris got here, where Joel Embiid and Bruce Bowen were nose-to-nose in the locker room. And why was Bruce Bowen in the Sixers' locker room? Well, apparently Brett brought him in, according to Sheridan, to uh, speak to the team about the Spurs' culture. And the speech didn't go over well, and they, quote, got into each other's faces. So that happened. Reportedly, Ben Simmons missed a game March 25th, where publicly it was said that he had a stomach virus, but he was actually out partying late the night before and couldn't couldn't suit up, apparently. And and the Sixers lost that game by 21 points. Also, he said that Elton Brand, when the team was shortly before the trade deadline, he went to ownership and spoke to them about trading Ben Simmons because he looked at him as more of a regular season player and they wanted to he thinks that they would be best suited making an upgrade and moving him while his stock was high um so all this this myriad of layers of this story all just kind of shoved at us here in between games two and three and before you say how you feel about it Paul before I say how I feel about it you were at the practice facility today you saw the players you spoke to them what did they have to say about this? Well, there wasn't much. You know, Brett Brown, uh, you know, he, he acknowledged that he heard about the story. I'm sure he was prepped by the by the PR staff about what was in the story and what, you know, might be asked. But, you know, he said he's, he has no intentions to read it and that he's not going to comment on it. So there was that. Uh, when, you know, Ben Simmons talked, uh, he didn't he didn't really necessarily deny it. Uh, he was asked about the story specifically about him missing the game, uh, to which he said, is this about the regular season of the playoffs? He said... You know, it's not about the playoffs. Basically, I don't, I don't care. So, as he was leaving his availability, uh, he said, "Yeah, it was, it was me, Brett, and Monty partying." So I, I just thought that was pretty funny. It's okay, and like clearly, I, was, I felt like that was his way of kind of make, like making a joke out of it. Was basically saying like, you know, it, I, he didn't deny it, but it kind of sounded like he was trying to make light of it in that case. But you know, take take that however you want it. 
Joel Embiid was not available. Uh, he said, the, uh, according to the Sixers, he did not want to speak today, and he will speak tomorrow in Brooklyn. I could actually see Brett hanging out with the fellas, honestly. <laughs> I mean, remember last year they had that uh, – tournament at the spin in philly yeah they were playing ping pong and he Brett whooped everybody's like, ass <laughs> yo I, I heard he was nasty uh, yeah. well, well hold up hold up hold up hold up there, there was an outlier because what, what, what was my man's name that went to the uh came over from the bucks that they uh that who he had the nice ping pong game um his name is slipping my mind but uh he uh he, he i think he was better than brett and laughed because um Brett, he, people thought Brett Brown might be better than him. Uh, his name was slipping my mind. It'll come to me, but I'll bring. Yeah, it back I thought up, I, I could have. Sw- I mean, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I thought that it was like Jared Bayless and Brett Brown. Bayless. Oh and, my gosh, how can I forget Jared Bayless? And yes. I, I thought, I thought it was them in the finals, and that Brett won. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mistaken. I thought Bayless beat him. I, I thought they know. got what to the, the finals. to look into that one. <laughs> right, but anyway, but uh, it, yeah, Tobias, Tobias, you know, maybe, but. Monty Williams, Brett Brown, and Ben. I, I don't think so. But, um, you know, it's funny. You're looking at this article, and I'm thinking of just what could be true and what might not be true. So Ben Simmons missing a game because of a stomach illness. He's dating uh, a, a stomach illness reportedly, but he's actually missed the game because he was out partying. I 2,000% think that could have happened. He's dating Kendall Jenner. He's been known to date, you know, famous other famous women, uh, you name it. And to me, that that's that's plausible. Whether it happened or not, I really could care less. I mean, you lose by twenty one to the Orlando Magic. Uh, you probably deserve to lose by twenty one to the Orlando Magic. And I remember that game late in the season, and uh, a lot a lot of guys were getting time to rest and things like that. So I didn't think it was peculiar. But who knows now with with, with those quote unquote details, if you want to call them that, or uh, facts coming out. But when I look at Brett Brown losing the locker room. And the Joel Embiid thing, I don't, I don't think that happened. I don't think Elton Brand, uh, you know, went up to the ownership and wanted to ship Ben Simmons away. I, I don't think that's as as plausible as those other as those other things. I mean, when I, when I think about it, I personally wouldn't want to trade Ben Simmons until I saw him in the postseason again. Uh, to think that he's not ready for the postseason after having one appearance in there and not, you know, give him a chance to bounce back with a generational talent and the many things he does in the court, that would be stupid. And I don't see Elton Brand as a stupid person. Um, you know, so I, I look at Chris Sheridan, he might have his sources, but if the Sixers were playing the Pacers, what would, would this story still come out this way? I mean, the story touches on so many topics. It's like four stories in one. It's like Very Brett scattered, on the hot yeah. seat, Ben partying, Joel fighting Bruce Bowen, and the Nets <laughs> have a chance. So if they weren't playing the Brooklyn Nets, I don't even know if we would hear about this stuff. But what, what, what do you think, Paul? So the biggest thing I have is just like there's – and I don't want to crush – I mean, Chris Sheridan's a guy who obviously has been in the game a long time, you know, used to work at ESPN. He's done, you know, he's done a lot. I'm sure he's got sources. I'm sure he talked to some people. But it's the lot of little false inaccuracies that really bother me in, in the whole landscape of the story. You know, when you, when you reference that – Bruce Bowen, Joel Embiid thing. Well, first of all, he said that that happened in Portland. We know for a fact that that did not happen in Portland. That happened in San Antonio, which makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the way uh, uh, Keith Pompey from the Inquirer, he did kind of described how that all went down. It really sounded like Bruce Bowen was the one who kind of came at Embiid. Um, something like he came up to him and was saying something like, I'm not scared of you, I'm not scared of you, which I don't really – 
I don't get, I don't understand the context of all of that, but um, yeah, and apparently Embiid just kind of didn't respond to it. It didn't sound like it was super confrontational or like that they were neck and uh, and apparently Bowen tried to make it out to be like it was a joke. So I don't really get. First of all, I don't understand why that even has a place. Like you said, the story's all over the place. I don't understand why that particular thing has a place in the story. I just, I quite frankly don't. Um, and then also the partying thing. At first, Sheridan had said he was partying in Miami with Kendall Jenner. Well, mm-hmm. there, there's if you go to Kendall Jenner's social media accounts, there, there's evidence that she was not with him at that time. She was in L.A. She was at home. So... To that, and then, and obviously, you know, the New York Daily News they retracted that part. They issued a correction at the bottom of the story saying, "Oh, it was actually Orlando, and Kendall Jenner wasn't involved." Basically, so it's like, okay, that's too, you know, that's already holes we're finding in this story. Then other things you like you alluded to with the the Ben Simmons, the possible trade with Elton Brand, and how to, and, and I hear what you're saying. It kind of doesn't make sense to me. Why is Elton Brand looking to trade a 22 year old who you know it was a former number one overall pick who has all this talent? So. Maybe there is the validity to that could be this. Perhaps when Anthony Davis's name was out and about, maybe, just maybe, Elton Brand had a discussion and the Pelicans said, okay, well, if we're going to talk at all, we want Ben Simmons. So maybe Elton Brand, like, and this is all me just like speculating. I have no source or nothing in on that, but maybe Elton Brand goes, hey, like, would you guys be open to it? You know what I mean? I just think it's one of those things that a story, like, as it gets down the line, it, it changes, and that, and then like and Sheridan kind of almost reports it as like an absolute, where like oh he went to ownership, he wanted to trade him, and it's like ah, I don't know if that was right. The there there had to be some other corroborating details, right? And, and, and that's why and it's just it's just a little troubling. Like some of those things are a little troubling when I read the story and like wanting to believe the validity to it. And I do hear you in the case of like yeah, there's probably a middle ground. Like I, I'm not gonna dismiss all of it and say none of it's true. And then, and then the other part of it that's odd to me is, like, you know, just the fact, like, the, the main crux of the story is, oh, Brett Brown has lost this locker room. To, for that to come out two days after they won game two, and after Jimmy Butler, who's obviously at the forefront of all this, you know, Sheridan's basically insinuating that the Butler trade was kind of the catalyst to him losing the locker room. For Jimmy Butler to come out and say, hey, Brett Brown whipped into us after game, at, at, at halftime, and that's part of the reason we won is because he got into us. He, he chewed our asses out. So for him – for that to come, for this story to come out right after that, just seems really odd to me. Just it, it all just doesn't add up in my head. There might be some validity to it, but it, it's hard to take. Uh, like it's hard to really take all of that at face value. And you bring up the Brett Brown curse out, which is a great pivot point because the Sheridan article, take it for what it is, read it for yourself, uh, make your own assumptions about it. Uh, we're moving onward and upward to Game Three because. In essence, that was all regular season stuff. Whatever the Sixers have as a culture is what they're going to have throughout the rest of the postseason. And any, you know, issues in the locker room have to be dealt in the offseason because we are where we are right now. And uh, the NBA championship is up for grabs. And you're seeing all these teams here. Uh, you know, we're seeing upsets with the Clippers coming back from down 31. We're seeing, you know, Portland go up two games to none on the Oklahoma City Thunder you know, uh, people stealing games with the Orlando Magic beating Toronto in the first game of their series. So the the parody I'm enjoying from the NBA. But do you think a curse out is what really drove the Sixers to have that historic 51-point third quarter? It's hard to believe that guys would be motivated from Brett Brown's, you know, telling them, you know, you need to effing go or whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be. 
because, you know, these guys have probably heard it all, particularly Jimmy Butler, who has said a lot about how the culture was when he was with the Chicago Bulls with Derrick Rose right. and Lowell Dang and Joachim Noah, you know, really coming at each other's necks and holding each other accountable. So was it really just Brett Brown, you know, raising his voice and, and saying the F word that, that really pushed <laughs> these guys over the top? Like, come on, give, give, no. me, some, give me some levity. I mean, I hear you. And, and Brett was very quick to very humbly – downplay and say like it was just I just reacted like it was a situation where I wasn't happy with what I saw in the first half and I reacted to it and I think the big reason and you know it's not just because he yelled like they didn't win because he yelled at them like that's yeah that's that's absurd to say that they you know they clearly you know they won the game but I thought it was interesting like the one like JJ Redick probably had the most telling comments um today at practice where he said the reason why it worked is because it was genuine because Brett doesn't do this all the time. It's not something he goes to every game. Like, and he said, you know, JJ said, it's not, you know, he doesn't yell just for the sake of yelling. And like, when you do that, it falls on deaf ears, especially with veteran guys. Like if you yell at him every game, it's not going to work. But when you chew into him, when you don't chew into him for so long, which clearly let's be real, Brett Brown probably hasn't done that in quite some time, judging by the way they ended the season, probably hasn't chewed them out too much. So for him to pull it out now in game two when it was still close at halftime, basically telling him, let's go. Like, we, we need to get it together. Like, we need to we need to do what we, we what we set out to do and what our game plan is to get this win. So I think that's why it had a bigger impact than maybe, you know, than, than if a coach, you know, comes in yelling and storming every, every single game. Yeah, I, I see. I see what you're saying there. Um, whatever it was, I hope they can bottle that up and take it into game three, because as we look ahead to game three, the Brooklyn Nets are angry and they're angry because Joel Embiid and you and I were both there in a the postgame presser where Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons each laughed their way through an apology about. Embiid giving Jared Allen the business with a yep. big old left elbow to his jaw that, come on, man, if that had happened to any Sixers player from any team, I don't care who it was, we would be asking for that player's head. Um, think about how uh, people were screaming and yelling when Shaq was giving Dikembe Mutombo the business in that series way back when in 2001. Um, but you would expect them to feel that type of way. You, yeah, you would expect them you. to be upset about something like that. And when you look at the way Sixers fans are kind of brushing it off, I, I got to call Sixers fans out about that because if that was any of our players that was on the receiving end of that work, y'all will feel some type way. Y'all will want <laughs> all the smoke with Jared Allen. No, you're right. They would. Um, I will say, I'll say this, though, a little bit in defending – um, like Joel Embiid. First of all, I don't think when he threw that elbow, I think he was not trying to hit Jared Allen, Allen in the neck. I really don't think intentional. That was, no, no, it was not intentional. I think he was just trying to create space. He's just trying to get to the basket. Clearly, the Sixers as a team were trying to be a lot more physical in Game Two. Clearly, that that strategy worked out very well for them. But I think that's what it was. I, I, that's all I think it was. I, I don't think he was intending to to act to like you know like hit Allen in the neck. Um, Definitely, you know, should have been a flagrant one. I think I think the NBA got it right. The NBA reviewed it further, did not issue a flagrant two after after the fact. I think that was right. I think, you know, and, and I could I could get Brooklyn fans being a little upset with Embiid laughing. I mean, 
I think Embiid was trying to give a genuine apology, but then Ben Simmons laughed, and that made him laugh, and then that turned into a bigger thing than it had to be. Um, mm-hmm. I personally also laughed. I don't know if you laughed, Danny. I wasn't sitting next to you at the time, but I also laughed. Um, but yeah, I, I get like if you're if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan, yeah, that would that would probably piss me off for sure. But it's I I think it's much to do about nothing. I think it was a play that happened, and I think Joel was was trying to apologize, and then him and Ben. You know, they're, they're two kids, and they were laughing. They were being a little bit silly and immature. I mean, that's it's fair to point out. That's the Ben Simmons I need to show up, though. The relaxed, uh, you know, aggressive, relaxed but aggressive guy who goes for the triple-double. I don't need a triple-double every game, but I need that type of uh, – whatever Ben Simmons brought into game two, I need him to bring that same mentality in game three. And I think they will play better in game three as a unit, and that's that's what I'm looking for as far as consistency goes, because that's what's going to propel them further and further down the road in the postseason. I need them playing together, that back-against-the-wall mentality that they hope they can See, bring in game that's three a, in Brooklyn. That's another thing, though. I, For me, I mean, from from a, from a just covering the team, I kind of enjoy that like they kind of have like this villain thing going on right now, and I think they should just run with it. You know what I mean? I mean, they have like mm. this Joel, Joel and Ben and like their thing and like – then you have obviously Jimmy Butler is you know he's the Harvey Dent wannabe and he's you know he's always towing that line between hero and villain. So I mean, and then you got JJ Redick you know from his Duke days and like how he I mean he was the most hated man in college basketball it felt like when he was at Duke. Uh, but no, I think they should ride out this uh, this villain thing. I think it works for him. Paul, you're speaking to my soul, baby. You're <laughs> speaking to my soul because you got your Marvel bag a little bit right there. And I really appreciate that because I have a Marvel analogy. I wanted to hang out there. Avengers Endgame is coming up. I got my ticket for next week. Uh, I'm seeing the IMAX 3D. Ooh, and it fancy. made me start to think about the Sixers team a little bit because with great power comes great responsibility as uh, Spider-Man has come to know. And I think that's the thing with this Sixers team is that we're in a situation where the window is not that big. The opportunity to win under team-friendly contracts, you know, free agents that can possibly fit in and, and keep this team and this core nucleus together, the window isn't very large. you got Joel Embiid on a team-friendly deal. Ben Simmons is going to need probably max money coming up. You got these two free agents here. The window is small and fans are looking for that lightning in the bottle moment that that 145 point game two really provoked that 51 point third quarter really provoked that energy of having that, you know, dynamic, you know, prolific offense and and maybe the defense to follow it. So with that being said, and I look at the way this Sixers team is set up, I see your Harvey Dent analogy with Jimmy <laughs> Butler with, with being the two face, and sometimes you know we're, we're not sure which Jimmy we're going to get. And I see you know if, if we're staying in the DC world, Batman and Superman with Joel and, oh, and yeah. Ben Simmons. Um, with with that being said, you know I, I feel like this game three has the possibility to be a real kick down, drag out, you know, grab you by your nostrils type battle. I think the Sixers have enough wherewithal, even though obviously they're a much better home team than road team. But I think they do have what it takes to win both of these games. I think they'll win in six. I'm thinking they could win in five if 
this 145-point game, too, can propel them. And, and once again, you know, it, it, the, the, the Chris Sheridan article, the, the way Brett Brown cursed him out, you, you put it all together, you would think, you know, you know I'm tired of this. You know yeah, what I mean? it could be galvanizing, I, absolutely. Damn it, I'm, I'm tired of this, and I'm going to make sure y'all know uh, what we're really about, how much firepower we really have. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree, and I think it could be a galvanizing thing. It just it's us against the world kind of stuff, and that's you know, and B was rocking that you know the Philly versus everybody shirt last year, and I think that's the mentality that they have, and I think it's one that I think is gonna is gonna suit them, you know, and just you know, and I love uh, you know me, I love my comic book talk. I am more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. I'll be honest about that. Obviously, movie wise, Marvel's kicking the crap out of them, but uh, outside outside of the Dark Knight trilogy. Which uh, Jimmy Butler is so fond to reference when talking about Harvey Dent, and um, yeah, I just uh, I, I think but, I just I just love the idea of them taking on this villain role. I think it's I think they should just totally run with it. So you're feeling better. You you weren't feeling so well yesterday. You're you're, no, you're doing good. I, I was struggling. I str- was struggling Monday night, and I really was struggling yesterday. Yes, feeling much better uh, today. Yes, you took some time to recuperate. You know, you were you were drinking your airborne and. You know, you had the, the the heating pads, and you know you had your feet into some you know some garlic water or whatever it is that you do to get yourself back to where you I need to be. Didn't do any of that, but all right, yep, obviously. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you did watch Venom on your I day off. I did finally Speaking watch of Venom, superhero movies. Yeah, and you loved it. Top nope. five Marvel flick. No, no, not into what? it. Wasn't good. <laughs> wasn't good. I, was I so paid to see Venom. I paid to see. I'm so hey, glad I did. Right? <laughs> oh, dude, I love Tom Hardy, and that's and you know we're gonna go back to comic movies, the Dark Knight trilogy. Tom Hardy was amazing in in the Dark Knight Rises. I still think that movie was a little underrated because the Dark Knight was so good. I felt like the Dark Knight Rises was a little bit underappreciated. But Tom Hardy was incredible as Bane in that movie. And Tom Hardy was great in Mad Max. He was great in Inception. He was great in this movie called uh, Brunson, which is really weird and dark and maybe not for everybody. But he was fantastic in that, too. So, like, to see him just not be good... (laughs) In, I'm starting uh, to think you're a little weird and dark, Paul. I, I'm starting to think. I don't know why you're just starting to think that. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> pretty accurate. No, and then too, I don't know. Are you a part? Are you a Parks and Rec guy at all? You probably like like the drumstick instead of the flat part. You probably want. No, of those no, that's not. I, I'm a flat guy. Absolutely a flat guy. <sighs> Magnificent. No, did you, but did you watch the show Parks and Recreation when it was on? A bit. I haven't seen a whole lot okay. of it. Well, hey, I do like Aziz Anazari yeah, and uh, so Amy Poehler, though. If you're going to come at me for Game of Thrones and you are gonna and you didn't see Parks and Rec, I don't, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> there is the one character on there is like this super over-the-top uh, rich girl uh, named Mona Lisa Sap- Saperstein. And she that's the doctor in, in, uh, in Venom. So like she oh, played, so you can't take her serious, right? She plays like this, and it's a credit to her because she was so great at playing the character on Parks and Rec. Like she's just really over the top and like ridiculous, and she was great at it. So like you see, I see her in that, and I'm like, yep, can't take her seriously, can't do it. It's funny you say that because I saw a meme about Tom Hardy, and it kind of had a like a a four up of of movies that he's done, and said uh, Hollywood must not like his face because they're always covering <laughs> it up. Like you know, Venom, he has the the mask on, and same with. Mad Max and as well as Bane. So, um, no, nah, I didn't think it was that bad. It, w- it wasn't top five, but I, I just hope they can marry the storylines. I don't know if that's going to work or not. I um, don't th- I, I don't know. I would just ditch it. <laughs> all right. We're running out of time here on the Sixers Talk podcast. I have one more thing I wanted to get to. I'm, I'm watching, you know, the NBA landscape, and 
I'm, 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 I fell asleep on the Portland OKC game at the start of the fourth quarter, but Dame mm-hmm. Lillard was going bonkers against yes, Russell Westbrook defensively and offensively. Those 10:30 start times, man. Oh, bro. oh man, we're old. Can't hang. <laughs> They're rough, but I mean, I caught a little bit of the Warriors and Clippers mm-hmm. last game, mm-hmm. and just did a little digging here, Paul. And I, I want to, you know, because we talked about this Tobias Harris deal, and the Sixers gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. And they did. When I think about what the contribution from Tobias Harris here in the postseason, just two games, you know, he it's been a while since he's been in the postseason. Um, I think he had four games of experience previously before this year. Mm-hmm. In Detroit. Yeah. And and he's he's in a slump. But I'm looking at Landry Shamit starting in the backcourt. He's not slumping. For these LA Clippers. <laughs> A plus 22 in the series. Led the Clippers and plus minus both games. Did we give up too much, Paul? I mean, in actuality, Tobias Harris might just walk at the end of the season. We might not ever see him again. The Clippers could actually re-sign him if they really wanted to. Did we give up too much? Help me, Paul. I'm I'm, I'm having problems coming to grips with giving up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, Shamit, Muscala, uh, and whoever else got thrown into that deal, Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler. I was go. gonna say you can't. Wilson Chandler. Yeah, and who cares about those two guys, Muscala um, and Chandler? But yeah. Shamit, the picks. Am I? Should I not feel? Should I? I feel better about this than I'm feeling, Paul. Well, I have your level-headed friend here. You to, are. To help so you that's why I'm going. And to. Uh, a, a couple things. You, there's a lot of might ofs and what ifs in, in, in what you're talking about here. Landry Shamit is a good basketball player. That is why the Sixers picked him. Like, right? Like, that's why I they talked did to it. him that's on draft night. I went over the numbers. I felt excellent about it. I saw him as a piece the Sixers would have for a long time, but he's gone, and I see him balling out for yeah. another team. I had to give I had to give our guy Noah Levick, who writes for us at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com and the My Teams app. Noah was all over Landry Shamit, like when the Sixers drafted him, because a lot of people thought they overdrafted him in the first round. Oh, so no, you no, know, no. I know, but it's the truth though. If you go back and look, a lot of people thought he was a second round pick, but winds up being a first round pick. Does crack the rotation when it's just way too early to get to jump to any conclusions. Yes, Landry Shaman hit a huge shot for the Clippers, won them game two. Do you do you think at all that the Clippers have any chance to win this series against the I Warriors? don't, but I think about what okay. contribution he's given them and see and envisioning that on our team. Okay. All right, right, right. Okay, so stick so stick with me here. And, and I hear you, Tobias Harris. You know, wasn't great. It, he was pretty. He's, he's a pretty big part of that third quarter, though, when they scored fifty-one points. He, he did an NBA excellent record. job. He's a he big had part of that. A, a point there where so, he got foul shooting the three, the clear path foul that ignited him there, and he hit the threes yep. afterward. M- made a three. I mean, you know, played pretty well. And like we all, we also both agreed, maybe his best defensive performance as a Sixer in that third quarter was very, very good. So you have that. You also have Boban, who was part of that trade who is giving you pretty damn good minutes in the first two games. And then you have Mike Scott, who's, for all intents and purposes, your sixth man. So it's not like, I hear what you're saying. It's it's a fair thing to worry about, to worry about the possibilities of what could be. But you got better, on top of Tobias Harris, who is, when he is right, is a better player as far as versatility and, and just can carry you offensively, as he has shown he can do it. 
more so than Landry Shamit, and then you're also throwing in Bobot and you're throwing Mike Scott into that mix. Now, when you talk about the possibility, yeah, you're you're right. Anything could happen in the in the, in the off season. Tobias Harris could walk. He could sign with whatever team he wants to. But if you're looking at this through Tobias Harris's eyes, if the Sixers are willing to give you money, you have a situation where this is the best situation you've ever been in to win. This is probably the best city you've played in as far as to win. Yes, he was in L.A. with the Clippers, but that's not, you know, it's a different situation, obviously. They're not the Lakers. Like, even now, like, with everything that's going on, they're still not the Lakers. People still care more about LeBron and Magic and all that all that dysfunction. They care more about that than they care about the Clippers beating the Warriors in Game 2. That's just something that's always going to be there. This For Tobias Harris, this situation in Philadelphia with the players they have, with Joel Embiid, with Ben Simmons, this is his best opportunity to win and also get paid. So I personally would be very, very surprised if Tobias Harris leaves this team in free agency. That's just how I feel. Like Again, a lot can happen between now and whenever the Sixers season ends. If it ends after the first round, yikes, then, then we're talking about different stuff. But if it's a deep playoff run, then we're talking about it's, it's, it's a whole different conversation. I just think it's way too early for us to get ahead of ourselves after two playoff games and determining whether or not we think that trade was the, 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 the Clippers, you know, taking taking the, as you you so eloquently put it, the Clippers taking the Sixers behind the woodshed. Do you see a Tobias coming out party for game three? I mean, coming out. I mean, oh, this is the guy we traded for? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I can't, like, guarantee that or say, I mean, the third quarter was certainly promising and looking like that might be the case. But could I see a scenario where there is a game where he just takes it, like he just gets hot? And, I said game three. The I'm not asking Absolutely. for scenarios. I'm, I'm asking about game three. Could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. I'm not going to tell you that. Like, I'm not going to guarantee it. But if he carries over what he did in the second half of Game 2 into Game 3, then, yes, I think he absolutely could have a big game and could carry this team for a stretch. Oh, he is so beautifully level-headed. We call him level-headed Paul. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Paul in all his magnificence. Hey, be sure to check us out on TV. Our Sixers Talk podcast has morphed into a TV show. We will be coming to you. At uh, 6.30, leading up to this game on uh, Thursday. Yeah. And please tune in. Uh, give us uh, an idea how you feel about the podcast. Rate us, comment, subscribe. And uh, we'll be coming your way with all the alacrity and fun that you have come to know from Danny Pommels and Paul Hudrick. We will see you before game three, and we'll be coming your way afterward with reaction. Uh, I'm going to go put in uh, – some Mad Max and see Tom Hardy in a better light than how Paul just ripped him to shreds. <laughs> but uh, we're, we we're appreciate you listening. Any, basically, any movie right. other than Venom. Mad Max, I have I've only seen once, so I'd like to see that again. So, but uh, for Paul Hudrick, I'm Danny Pommels. This is Sixers Talk. We appreciate you as always. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.